Well, hello there and welcome to the e-commerce podcast with me, your host, Matt Edmondson. The e-commerce podcast is all about helping you deliver e-commerce wow. And to help us do this, that I am chatting with my very special guest today, Yoni Kosminski from Multiply Me and Escala about how to scale your business with the right talents. Let me tell you, problem problem we've all faced. And if you've not faced it yet because you're just starting out, let me tell you, you are going to face this particular problem. But before we jump into that conversation, let me suggest a few other uh, e-commerce podcast episodes that I think you're going to enjoy listening to. Uh, the first one is Jesse Schoberg, where we talked about outsourcing remote teams and blogging your way to bigger e-commerce profits. That was a great conversation with Jesse. He's such a legend. Legend? Legend? He's also a legend, uh, as is JJ Resnick. That was great. Uh, Eight-step blueprint for building a successful e-commerce business. Still remember that conversation super well. Still got the notes. Still look to them. Uh, you can find these as well as our entire archive of episodes on our website for free uh, at www.ecommercepodcast.net. No idea why I said www, because no one says that anymore. But apparently, I did. Anyway, this episode is brought to you by the e-commerce cohort, which helps you deliver e-commerce well to your customers. I can tell you back in, well, a few years ago, I nearly lost everything online. Let me tell you, our business almost collapsed overnight. And there are lots of reasons as to why this event happened. Uh, and we were turning over six million a year online at the time. But I can tell you uh, why it almost went to zero, uh, principally because I'd got siloed. In other words, I'd become really good at one or two things, but I'd missed the rest of the big picture where e-commerce is concerned. And that's what the e-commerce cohort is all about. It's helping you solve that particular problem. It's a lightweight membership group with guided monthly sprints that cycle through all of the key areas of e-commerce, not just one of them, not just two. It doesn't just pick on one or two bits. It covers the entire spectrum. It's lightweight. It's easy to get involved with. So do check it out. It is going to radically help you uh, if you in or in e-commerce, regardless of where you're at on your e-commerce journey. You could be starting out, you could be like me, you could be well-established, a well-established e-commercer, uh, as I like to say. But wherever you are on that journey, do check it out because it is quite extraordinary. Uh, you can find out more information at the website. Let's do the www.ecommercecohort.com. Or uh, if you, you know, you forgot the www bit because you, you've never used that, just go to ecommercecohort.com. <laughs> <laughs> uh, or email me directly at matt at ecommercepodcast.net with any questions that you've got. I will try my level best to answer them. Honestly, super proud of it. It's an amazing thing. All of that said, without further ado, uh, let's check out my conversation with Yoni. Well, I am here with Yoni Kosminski. Uh, he is an entrepreneur and business consultant with over two decades of experience in scaling businesses. Uh, over the years, he has helped develop digital strategies for some of the world's biggest brands, including, get your notebooks out because you're going to want to make a note of these, Mercedes-Benz, for all of you having a midlife crisis, you can uh, talk to Yoni about it, uh, MasterCard, Sony, Medtronic, uh, diet, Medtronic Diabetes, uh, uh, the list goes on and on and on. His experiences eventually led to the creation of Escala and Multiply Me, two companies that help businesses achieve massive growth. Now, besides being an awesome entrepreneur, Yoni is also a seasoned podcaster himself. And it's always, always interesting when you interview podcasters. <laughs> uh, his Successful Scales podcast is centered on questions relating to growing, uh, selling and acquiring and scaling a business and what comes with it. Now, if you are looking to take your business to the next level, you're not going to want to miss out on this conversation. I'm super excited to have you here, Yoni. Thanks for being here because we were talking before we hit the record button. We've got some very good mutual friends uh, in this whole space. And so uh, super stoked to be here. Thanks so much for joining us all the way from Tel Aviv. Matt, it's an absolute honor to be here. We do have some good mutual friends, which know, makes me know that I'm in good company here. And uh, wow, I'm already sitting here. I'm taking notes. Uh, what an intro. <laughs> 
It's interesting, actually, because uh, one of the things, you're a newly, uh, one of the things I didn't say in the intro was you are a newly crowned dad, from what I can see. How's that all going? I am indeed, mate. Your team is on another level when it comes to their recon work. Uh, so shout <laughs> out, shout out to the production quality right there. But uh, yeah, I've got a so I've got a three and a half month old at home, Leo, and uh, it's it's the best. It's the best job in the world, uh, to put it lightly. It's the best thing ever. Um, oh, it's great. Congratulations, because yeah. Father's Day, uh, Father's Day was yesterday, right? So uh, that was your first Father's Day. What did you get up to? What did you do? I'm glad you asked that, Matt. And I know that my uh, fiance likely will never listen to anything that I put out into the world here. <laughs> so I'll just say she did absolutely nothing. Uh, um, uh, she was very surprised when I said, "You know, it's Father's Day today." While I was, <laughs> I was very aware when it was Mother's Day a few months ago, and made sure to get her flowers, and treat her, yeah. and and what I've learned through this journey, Matt, is that through the pregnancy, it was how's Tully, how's you know how's it all going, how's the dog? We've got a pit bull at home, Dusty, mm-hmm. and then you know people seldom ask about you, and now it's how's the baby. How's Tully? How's Dusty? And then you're just sort of off here and to the left, like totally irrelevant. Um, so it was no surprise that Father's Day was uh, pretty uneventful for me. But I'd have to say I'm just happy to be a father and, uh, you know, putting in the work. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It does. Father's Day, I thought, because I, I have three kids uh, myself and I've been through several Father's Days now. And it's one of those things where you kind of. <laughs> All you can do at the end of the day is just go, I am really, really grateful for my kids. Uh, and the rest of it is just, it's just all good fun. My, my son sent me, um, I'm going to show it to you, Yoni. Uh, I appreciate if you're listening to this podcast, you won't be able to see what I'm about to show him. Uh, but uh, if you check out the video, you will be able to see it on there because it is something to behold. Uh, I don't know if you can make that out. <laughs> Happy Zach. I can definitely make that out. <laughs> so this is the statue of David, to which my son uh, photoshopped my face. <laughs> that is brilliant. That is brilliant. The statue. Jo- so we- Josh is your son? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Josh, well played, sir. Well played. That is some impressive Photoshop work, I must say. <laughs> I had a, um, I had a, my, Zach, my uh, middle child, he sent me a, a card with, uh, you know, the helium balloons on it? Yep. And um, Zach and I have this standing joke because we both like to go to the gym, and Zach is now stronger than me in about 80% of the, the lifts. How does that and feel? So he, he, Oh, mate, that's just, just horrible. <laughs> it's a mixture of both pride and contempt all at the same time. <laughs> I'm like, you go, bud. You're doing really well. But the other half of him is like, I've got to work harder to try and keep up. So he he had the picture of the helium balloons on the front of the card, and it just said, Dad, this reminded me of what you can bench press. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> so this is what you've got to look forward to. Zoe, my daughter, she wrote in my card, uh, Dad, happy Father's Day. Um, behind every great parent is a great, amazing daughter. <laughs> that is <laughs> like... This is this is English Northern English humor one hundred and one yeah. right here. Um, literally every single one of your kids has had a brilliant dig at you in some way, shape, or form. Bravo! Mm. Yeah, yeah, it's the way of the future, right? So I appreciate, uh, dear listener, that by the time you're listening to this, it is very far away from Father's Day. Uh, but at the time of recording, we've just had it, and so uh, all that to say, Yoni, congratulations uh, on the the new baby. And the other thing I wanted to congratulate you on was the ability to do a backflip. I have some serious envy <laughs> uh, on that, and uh, so well done, mate. That was uh, that was a, a life goal of mine. The question, uh, the truth is, I can't. Well, I don't know that I can still do one, but in that time of that video, I could. <laughs> You've got it on video. That's all you need, right? <laughs> it's there. It's out. It's in the ether now, and it's not going anywhere. So yeah, just so you know, Leah, when you grow up and when you listen to this, your old man can do a backflip. Yeah, yeah. You've got some work to keep up, right? So uh, that's awesome. <laughs> so. Uh, besides from having uh, a dog, uh, a fiance, a newborn, and the ability to flag, backflip uh, living in Tel Aviv, uh, you've got these two companies, Escala and Multiply Me. Um, how did you, how did you get in, started with with this? What's the sort of the backstory? 
Yeah. So, so the backstory, like like any good backstory, simply came from experience and understanding uh, from a, a specific market. So, I grew up in creative advertising and digital marketing, and you know, you listed some of the clients that I worked on. Um, but sort of behind all of that, I was the tenth employee in Australia, uh, in Australia, an agency that took on Mastercard when we actually launched them. On social, so there wasn't Facebook and Instagram and YouTube and Pinterest for brands. Really, it was just sort of at that age. And yeah. us as an agency, we grew from ten to about thirty-five people. That was everything from SEO to web development, design, content strategy and production, media buying. I mean, the work sort of as it was all really starting to to come up. And then moved over to the states. I was the fifteenth employee in an agency working with Sony and Snapchat and. Mastercard over there, and we grew to about forty. And so, what I would say is, what I became uh, very adept at is what the experience looks like growing from a very small to you know mm-hmm. a small to medium sized agency. And so, when I moved to Israel about five years ago, I met a couple of guys that had an Amazon business. They were doing about two million in revenue and had got stuck. And on the back of that, I said, look you know what's happening you guys are trying to achieve absolutely everything with a team of three where not one of you has real experience in any of the things that you should have so they've never done any media buying before they've never mm. done any creative design work brand strategy they've never done anything that relates to it and yet they were still you know i would i would argue very successful and so what i did was i effectively came in and built an operation and a team at the philippines that was high level. So I'm not talking about virtual assistants here where you pay them three bucks an hour and they do some baseline tasks. I'm talking about mm-hmm. designers, ops managers, creative directors. Uh, we built a customer support team, my co-founder and I, uh, of five. And we built out the operational infrastructure and that business was able to grow from two to five million in the space of about 12 months. Uh, oh, wow. Subsequently acquired by Thrasio. And on the back of that experience... We just realized that we could really help a lot of people who had great ideas, were very, very savvy when it come, came to product development and understanding what customers or yeah, customers essentially were looking for from a product brand perspective. And so we sort of built that out, um, I would say, you know, on steroids for lack of a better term. And so Multiply Me really the incubation of the idea that was Multiply Me was our experience in building that team inside of the e-commerce business and then we've taken that now and built it out into a proper operation and Escala on the other hand happened probably six months after the start of Multiply Me and and that really happened I would argue by accident I think much like uh, a lot of success at least I would attribute in my life uh, it all happens by accident right no, it's um, amazing how many times you hear that as the answer how did this happen well by accident really it was just luck, dumb luck, really. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. But I interviewed, uh, I interviewed an ex Ernst and Young management consultant who just really wanted to work at a startup, and she was a process improvement management consultant out of Ernst and Young in the Philippines. And I said, "Listen, you're going to come and work with us, but there's no way in hell I would waste your your incredible talents on being a project manager." Uh, so she delivered the first internal project of process improvement and. On the back of that sort of three-month experience, I just said, listen, we could rapidly change the way in which organizations behave. And so we built out Escala. So now we've got about 35, nearly 40 full-time management consultants. Many of them come from Ernst & Young, some out of Accenture and Deloitte, Philippine-based, so we can keep Mm -hmm. our operating costs low. And, And Multiply Me has probably about, I'd say, 280 plus people on payroll, but about a total of 110 people are reporting into us. So um, essentially that was sort of how it all came to be was just, you know, understanding the environment that existed inside of that Amazon e-commerce business and the challenges that they experienced. And then obviously the business was acquired, so there was no more business for us Mm -hmm. to deliver that. And it was either do we dive back into building another D2C or e-commerce business or do we move into professional services and, you know, not that you've asked the question, but I'll just tell you anyway, the decision that I made really there was that the capital constraints that would require me to build an Amazon business to the level that I wanted to build it to, you know, I would have had to put in realistically half a million dollars. Mm-hmm. And to build a service-based business, which granted, you know, I'd had a decade of experience 
growing in and building myself was a lot, lot lower. So that was really the the decision. And I also would say as well, a, a lot more sort of uh, meaningful to me. I mean, I look at sort of our success as how many lives do we impact because we exist in market today. And, you know, I always lead in with how many people we have on payroll, not what our you know, what I would argue is a vanity metric and we can talk about it a bit later, but just, you know, I'm a seven, eight, nine, 15 figure business, you know, at the end of the day, um, that doesn't have a whole lot of meaning to me. And, you know, I would argue we're on track to be a eight figure business next year, but I could care less about the fact yeah. that that's, it's irrelevant to me. That's really interesting. I, I, I do want to get into the principles and concepts of scaling and growing a business that you've learned so we can pick your brains. But there's a couple of things there, Yoni, you said that I just want to mention. I, I, I'm really intrigued by the fact you went from uh, running an e-com business to deciding to go professional services because of the capital aspect of it. Because so many people are doing it the other way around. They're in professional services business, but they're wanting to do the e-com side of things. So it's interesting that you, you, you're kind of like the salmon in a spec. You've kind of gone against the flow. Um, and the, that, that intrigues me. And, the, and then the second thing which intrigues me is this phrase, it has to be meaningful to me. Uh, and I'm curious as to where you got that from, because you don't hear a lot of business people um, these days talk about meaning. You talk, you hear people talk about six, seven, eight. You know, you go buy an online course, we'll help you deliver a seven, eight figure business. You don't go and buy an online course, we'll get you a business that's meaningful to you. Do you know what I mean? So, where did that come from? So, I'll start with the first question. That was, I'm a salmon swimming upstream, uh, the wrong way here. So, I would argue, or I would say that. Obviously, it's a natural inclination. If you are professional services, then you move into client side, right? Which is mm -hmm. either building your own brand or working for a Mercedes or MasterCard or whatever that looks like. And I think that there is definitely um, there's definitely a lot of positives there. Like you know, uh, you would argue as a you know a career professional services guy here, clients are the worst. Clients are the ones that that you know that essentially are the ones that make all the mistakes because you lay out the equation of what they need to deliver on and typically mm -hmm. it's their inability to deliver on the expectations that sees you render you know, a result that's, that, that, that's not positive for both of you. So I moved away from the traditional agency model where we were responsible for every component of delivery. So we would come up with a content strategy that give us the budget, obviously, and we'd produce it and we'd post it and every little issue that came up, every little typo or spelling, whatever it was, it was on us. So the model mm. that we've built today really puts a lot more of the accountability and responsibility on our clients. So I'd say definitely taking a step away from re-engineering the model, uh, so to speak, where A, management consulting, we've effectively democratized our ability to deliver that to people that, you know, quite frankly, have never seen what that looks like. You know, these people yeah. haven't worked with the EYs and Accentures and Deloitte's and McKinsey's and Bain's of the world. So, you know, to them, it's absolutely groundbreaking. And I would say 99% of our projects on the Escala side, people walk away and they're like, holy shit, like this is life-changing in terms of what I'm able to achieve. And on the Multiply Me side, we're trying to move further and further away from the typical business process outsourcing BPO space where it's you come to us, we'll hire you one person, you'll have communication with that one person and then they'll build a team and that's how it is. We think in order for you to build a, a real business or a business that, that stands the test of time, you have to invest in your culture and what that looks mm. like. So what we do is we facilitate the onboarding strategy. We help you understand who you actually need, not just a job description that you put out there. And we sort of bridge that gap and then we help, you know, maintain that sort of fluidity. So we pay healthcare and social security and HMO and PhilHealth. And, you know, the business really was, uh, was started because there was a, you know, somewhat of a social mission attached to it. So I built myself a nice segue here. So I'd say that's why I'm, I'm back in the professional services space. Um, mm. I'd also argue that I'm trying to build a lot of leverage uh, long-term. Like, you know, I've been working on the 10-year vision around the business right now and having a business that can effectively find you high-value, low-cost uh, individuals 
and then having another business that can help you understand, fix, and build essentially any business. We've made a you know considered decision to focus on e-commerce. All of a sudden, I look ten years into the future. There's there's a lot of things that you can do with both of those businesses. My ability to scale up our operation and not break it um, mm-hmm. is far superior to most people out there, especially at, at you know at the investment that's required. You know, we were talking before we pushed uh, record, and I was saying a year ago I didn't know what a biz ops team was. Today we've mm-hmm. got a biz ops team of five, and you know, there, there's all these functions that I didn't even know that you would need because I quite frankly, never worked for a business as large as the one that we're running today. So um, so that's that component. That's why I've decided to swim upstream. And then on the meaningful or the consideration of why, uh, why I, I choose a business around meaning and purpose, um, this, is, this is a bit of a tangent, but uh, bear with me for a second here. I, I went to Burning Man for the first time when I was 27 years old, um, just as I moved to the US. Mm-hmm. Um, and Burning Man is a, an arts and crafts festival. It's um, honestly, it's like nothing that exists uh, anywhere else in the world other than sort of the sub Burning Mans that you, you see in other regions. But it has 10 principles, Burning Man. And you can't, even if you don't read the principles, you can't help but feel them. And by day three, I just remember uh, experiencing one of the ones that I still feel strongest about, and it's about the gift of giving without the expectation of reciprocation. Mm-hmm. And so I went through this journey um, and on the back of leaving Burning Man, I said, you know what, I- I'm done with everything that relates to capitalist society. I want to go and join a not-for-profit, an NGO. I want to do something that's going to have real meaning and purpose. And-, and a buddy of mine actually said, listen, before you go ahead and do all of this, I want you to just read this book. And the book is called 80,000 Hours, and it is a book about effective altruism. So for those listening, it's how can you have the most positive impact on humanity with Mm. the 80,000 hours that the average person has in their entire working career? And so it takes you, it's a short book and it's free. I'd highly recommend to anyone listening to read it. Um, And where I landed on the back of it, and I'll give you one little anecdote and I'll explain to you why Multiply Me exists and what our mission really is here. But Mm. uh, the anecdote that really resonates with me is that, you know, if you're a general practitioner, a GP, a doctor, in your lifetime on average, you'll save about 12 lives, which is tremendous, right? I mean, 12 Mm -hmm. lives, Matt, to save 12 lives. How, How special is that? Now, if you simply invested $2,000 a month 12 months a year to a malaria fund in West Africa, you'll save about 5,000 people's lives a year. And so mm-hmm. what it effectively, what I took away from that entire book and the experience and the decision to stay in the commercial world is that, you know, I, I had somewhat of a knack for, you know, for the commercial world and that for me to truly have deep impact on the world, I want to sharpen my skill set in a competitive environment and the second you move over to the not-for-profit space, it's less competitive. There's not the, it's not this challenging rat race of how do I get ahead? And so I made the considered decision on the back of wanting to go into the NGO space to say, you know what, I'm going to work my ass off and I'm going to be the best version of myself that I can be so that when the time is right and you know financial security is there, I can really have the most impact that I can on on the betterment of humanity. And so mm. the mission around Multiply Me was when I left that company, when I left um, the Amazon business, I asked a couple of the team members that we'd hired there, like, tell me unapologetically, what did you make at in, in corporate Philippines at your highest? And it was about three times what we were paying them. And not only that, but they were getting healthcare and social security and HMO. And I just said, it doesn't make sense. We're making a million dollars of profit a year in that in that Amazon business. And they're taking salary sacrifice, getting paid, you know, five bucks an hour, six bucks an hour via PayPal without any of the benefits or any of the job security mm-hmm. that they would experience in the Philippines. And I just said, it doesn't make sense to me. So the mission around Multiply Me was to offer all of the benefits that you would effectively see if you were in the corporate Philippines. So we offer healthcare and social security and HMO and 13th month and paid leave and everything that they would get. Um, but I think what's what's more for me is that 
I look at uh, onlinejobs.ph for anyone who's listening. It's like I like to call it the gateway drug to finding talent out of the Philippines where you find talent that's sort of like just good enough to deliver data entry and some skill sets. And if you're lucky, you find some really, really hot talent in there. But ultimately, there's levels of talent that exist that are well beyond that. And so, you know, when I experienced that for the first time, I just said, I've got the whole equation wrong. I was delegating. Uh, I was delegating tasks and not accountability and responsibility to people who could really deliver. And I would argue far deliver uh, on a level that, you know, I've never really even had coworkers deliver at that level anywhere in the world. And I've worked in, you know, three or four geographies now. So um, really eye-opening. So anyway, I've gone on a little bit of a rant here, Matt, but uh, the (laughs) the point I'm making is it's very easy to get out of bed in the morning, knowing that because we exist in market today, 330 odd people can put food on their tables and, mm-hmm. you know, provide for their families. And so for me, going back to the start of it, you know, the vanity metrics around the revenue numbers, um, mm. it, it, doesn't, it doesn't have meaning and purpose. And I can do this all day because I know that because we exist, it, you know, it, it matters. It matters not just to me, but to a lot of other people. It's a really powerful thing, and I think uh, the the ability to get out of bed and be motivated with a smile on your face, I think, is is one of the things that so many in the West are missing. Uh, and I, I I'm a big I I'm a slight idealist, if I'm honest with you, but I do think it comes down to this idea of meaning and purpose, and just being really clear on what that is. You know, why am I here? What am I going to do? And all that sort of thing. So I'm really intrigued by your story. Uh, So thank you for sharing, uh, Yoni, about that. Um, And it's it's interesting. I mean, you've obviously created these two quite Goliaths, is maybe the wrong phrase, do you mean, but two quite sizable organizations. Um, uh, You've got one in the Philippines doing some direct good to people in the Philippines, but obviously also direct good to the organizations that use that service, right? It's got to be a, a, a... to coin the um, the Stephen Covey phrase, it's got to be the win-win, hasn't it? It's got to it's got to work for both parties. A great man. Um, how do you? Um, I'm just thinking of the listener uh, who's listening to the show. There, um, they're growing their eco or they're in e-commerce. You know, some of people might have started. Some people have been around like me for a little while. Um, what are some of the principles that you have learned in doing this um, that can be really helpful? Um, I, I've got here, like, how do you use processes and systems to help scale businesses like this assess, design, integrate concept? Explain what that's all about. Before I explain that, I want to just take a, a step back or look at it at sort of 30,000 feet here. So, you know, not none of us, not a single entrepreneur, business owner created their business to be a slave to it 168 hours a week right very true when you when you when you're looking to create or live the entrepreneurial dream it's for more freedom more time and and effectively more money and i think what typically happens to the average entrepreneur and i've been guilty of it myself is that you obsess over the delivery and you obsess over how you can continue to grow and evolve and what you sort of miss along the way is that unless you're actually able to to delegate and unless you're able to start to get outside of your business and bring on the right people or build the right processes, you start to live, we start to run on the, the e-commerce hamster wheel where, you know, how, <laughs> you know, how I would define it, you know, what does that look like is you have initial success, right? So let's say you're you drop, sh- you know, the typical journey, you start drop shipping and you realize the opportunity, you start to move into making your own products and you start to see that success and maybe you move away from your full-time gig to really accelerate growth. And then what happens is you just become a victim of your own success because the second that you feel like you're going to take that foot off the gas, you know, stranded inventory, issues around supply chain and logistics, you know, uh, suppressed ASIN for an Amazon seller or Whatever. I mean, what happened to me when I was a dropshipper, I didn't realize that I couldn't sell knives on my website and do Facebook media buying and, you know, my site went to shit. So, <laughs> something something happened. So, you know, you have a few options that you can take at that point and it might 
be imploding, which I think a lot of uh, a lot of e-commerce entrepreneurs will do, or you can sell your business, yeah, yeah, or you can, or you can sell your business, um, which effectively, you know, when we talk about selling your business, it, it can be great. It's probably not the best time right now, depending on when this comes out. It's probably still not going to be the best time to sell your e-commerce business. And the last one would be to delegate and elevate. So really start to hand over that accountability. So going back to your question, when you look to build systems in your business, I think the first and most important thing to start considering is how am I investing my time and where is it going? So getting clarity on where your time is going and then starting to understand what are the things that I can give ownership and accountability to. And so a really simple thing that, that I love to recommend to people is Look at your calendar, actually document, put every aspect of everything that's happening inside of your calendar in, in inside of it. So if I'm on this podcast right now, it's in my calendar. If I'm doing preparation for 30 minutes beforehand, making sure that I have the right answers and insights, you know, I'm going to put it in there, putting every little bit and then assessing that at the end of the week, really understanding, well, how did I invest my time? Was it meaningful? Was it valuable? And mm. then starting to focus that in. So... Back to the system. So, so that's how you can start to remove yourself from your business as a, as a first step. But, but when we talk about systems or how we talk about systems inside of a Scala, systems are effectively the perfect harmony between people, process, and technology. And if you don't have all three of those right, then something is going to go, something's going to fall off. And, and let me just give you a, a prime example here. So, most of your listeners here are obviously e-commerce entrepreneurs. So I'm trying to think uh, if it's not an Amazon example, let's say you're using something like, um, uh, let's say you're using something like MailChimp, right? And you want to delegate the email marketing component of your Shopify website to someone else. Mm -hmm. Unless you dictate that inside of MailChimp, you go to this specific email template a lot of people would just say, go to MailChimp, deliver the work, build the SOP around that. And that's great. But if I stated that, you know, once a month, we're creating an email sequence and there's an abandoned cart sequence, whatever, whatever that is, what I'm going to define is who's responsible. So the copywriter will effectively go into MailChimp and go to XYZ location and deliver it at this point in time, once a month on the last Monday of every month so connecting the people who's accountable the yeah. process what they need to actually deliver and the technology is is how you can start to string it all together whereas a lot of people look at technology as like the panacea like cool mailchimp done do the mailchimp thing do the shopify thing and 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 we're good but in reality unless you're really connecting all three um you're not being effective in that i mean I could sit here and really walk you through what Escala's five-tiered hierarchy around process methodology is. Um, I'll let you keep asking questions, but I'd be very happy to, <laughs> happy to share what that looks like so you guys can get an understanding of how to build process. But, but maybe I'll, uh, I'll let you do your part and uh, ask the questions before well, I dive uh, in. No, I'm, I'm, I'm curious to get into it because I, I, I've, I've drawn out the little triangle of people, uh, process, and um, technology here. And I, I'm, I'm curious in that in is that something that i need to think about from day one is that something that i need to think about when i hit five staff a million in turnover or is that something that i i think actually no this is once i've got over 20 staff then i can think about that kind of thing at what point in my journey do i need to start to think about these things yeah it's a great question matt so i'd say you should you should from from the get go be thinking about what's involved in your process. I don't think from day one you should be documenting absolutely every little thing that you're doing because ultimately it will change quite significantly over time as you become more sophisticated. And you know, uh, effort versus reward. Early early days, you know, if you're the solopreneur trying to get things off the ground and you're testing a lot of things and you've got enough time to deliver you're all good. You don't need to be documenting every little thing. It's only when you start to feel stretched that I think that's when no one can come into your business and know absolutely everything that's going on inside mm -hmm. of your head. And so, I would say as soon as you start to get to those levels and, and a great way to think about it is 
let's use your example of five people, a million dollar turnover. You know, ultimately, what happens if someone doesn't show up for work or decides to leave and renders right away? You know, I don't want to go to some of those more morbid ones, gets hit by a bus. Uh, but let's say they get hit by a bus. <laughs> um, <laughs> I had to go there, didn't I? Um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. But uh, well, you're from you're from Liverpool, so you get it. Um, but uh, ultimately, if they disappear, then so too does that output, and so mm-hmm. you're left effectively having to pick up the pieces, unsure of or effectively losing where you are having the most impact. So, I would say as soon as you become a little bit stretched that's when you should start enacting some of these processes but you want to actually get to them sooner rather than later and it doesn't need to be and i'll share with you guys you know in a little bit about our methodology and how we approach it it doesn't need to be at a scala level you know that's that's management consulting level and that's you know that's in a league of its own starting with a word doc or an excel doc and simply defining everything that's great because ultimately you're simply trying to unlock the keys so that you can effectively achieve more time in your day, which is just not a replenishable asset. So I want to build more time in my day so that I can focus on the things that are going to have the most impact in my business and in my life. Uh, so, so I'd say that's definitely how you should be thinking it from, from the get-go. So what is this methodology? Uh, that you you make reference to yeah so so the way we structure it and and i think there's there's lots of mistakes that people make when they you know people's like yeah yeah yeah, i've got sops i've got sops um and then when you start to look at what those sops those standard operating procedures really are they're not at the level they need to be for someone to effectively understand exactly what's going on in the business so a scala's sort of litmus test if you will is that our expectation once we've delivered a project, which can take four, six, 12 months, depending on the size of the business, is that within 15 seconds of you coming into this documentation, you'll understand exactly what you need to do up to the most granular detail of what needs to be delivered. And so how we effectively structure that is we look at a business as core processes. So what are the four or five core processes that happen inside of the business. So just to throw a few examples out there, like Mm -hmm. for an e-commerce business, product research and development might be a core process. Um, You might have finance as a core process. You'd have um, brand management would be a core process and Mm -hmm. customer, customer support. Those might be your four core processes. And then once you understand what those core processes are as they relate to your business, you start moving to the next layer down, which we call process groups. So process groups, they comprise of multiple functions that work together end-to-end to provide a, you know, effectively a, a solution for that specific function. So let's take new product discovery, for example. Um, inside of that new product discovery process group, you might have things like research and identify new product um you know the next sub process or process group might look like um you know develop product and then hand over product to brand management might be the three um process groups so you're looking at product research and development let's say Mm -hmm. and then inside of that you'd have new product discovery as one of Mm -hmm. the process groups and then mm-hmm. the next layer down, and the way we also approach it is you have like a, a numbering or a naming convention. So for product research and development, it might be 1.0. And then new product discovery, which would be the first stage in the process group under that core process, mm-hmm. would be 1.1 new product discovery. And 1.2 might be, you know, de- develop product and 1.3 yeah. might be pass on product. So the next layer down uh, is now where you start to get a little bit more visual of what's really happening is what we call the sub-processes. So inside of the sub-processes, so again, following the same narrative here from product research and development as the core process, new product discovery as the process group, a sub-process might be uh, receive new product ideas. So inside of that, this is where you start to get into the granularity on what's happening. So this would be who's responsible. So let's say you have a product researcher and a product development person. Um, 
this is where you'd actually start to illustrate the process maps of the decision matrices. So go into, I'm just going to use an Amazon example here. So go into Helium 10, which is a research uh, tool. So go in, do, you know, the product, the product researcher will go into Helium 10. The next one will be they'll look inside of the black box uh, function to understand what's the keyword search term volume, is there appetite for it? And you'd sort of move along to understand mm-hmm. yes, no. If yes, then continue on. If no, then it falls down to the next stage. And, and once you're at that point, that's when we start to go into the real granularities of what's happening. So uh, level four is activities or that's effectively like what you're delivering. So examples would be gather product ideas from Helium 10's black box, like I just mentioned. It would be create a new task inside of your project management tool like ClickUp or Monday or Trello or Asana. It would uh, add product details to the research specifications. It would be all of the more detailed instructions of how you actually approach it. And then the very last uh, stage is, I, I would say, what most people would define as their SOPs, where that has the full working instructions of every single stage inside of the process of what's done under that subcategory of the core processes to the process groups to the sub processes to the activities so working instructions so in that you might have video examples for us we do sort of two to five minutes no longer of Mm -hmm. a a loom video if it's something that's more complicated or screenshots or written instructions as a combination with those screenshots or with those videos and so you i mean again it's a little bit tougher to do this where you're just listening at home without having sort of the visual aid but if you can imagine if i'm looking for the first time inside of the product research component of a business or i'm like okay i have no idea what product i want to bring to market and i've never worked in the business before but i came from another e-commerce business well i know okay i'm going to look in the product research function and then i'm going to go to new product discovery and then from there i'm going to go to the sub process that has received new product idea and then i'll be able to go so i'm following 1.0, 1.0, then 1.1, then 1.1.1 yeah. will be. So you sort of follow down the visual uh, hierarchy until you get to the working mm-hmm. instructions. So again, with the litmus test being in 15 seconds, can we figure out exactly what needs to be done? You, saw, you sort of followed this journey all the way down to getting to the, the, the granular details of what needs to be done. So I know that's a lot that I've just uh, sort of thrown at you there, Matt. No, it's, it's, um, it's super helpful. I've made lots of notes, Yoni, which is always a good sign. Uh, and I like the idea of um, you're starting very high level, aren't you? And you're breaking things down into more and more detail as you, as you go through that and understand that. And so when you go into a car, I'm, I'm, I'm let me, circling back to something that you said. Just let me, let me, let me just uh, share with you on that. And you, you highlighted a really important point that I hope everyone takes away from this is that one of the number one mistakes that people make when building process is they take what we define as a bottom-up approach where you'll have a specific process and you just build out that process. So let's say we're talking about how we recorded this podcast and then say, go into Riverside, record the podcast, ask mm-hmm. the questions, go through it. But what you failed to understand is what is the overarching complexity of creating the podcast? Well, there's a research team and that research team connects with Matt to give him the information to ask the right. So if you're not looking at it from a high level first and how it all breaks down, then what you're effectively doing is you're missing key deliverables along the way. And so taking that approach of the high level and understanding how does everything integrate inside of your business is paramount to seeing the success of building out effective process. So sorry to cut you off, but but you really... You, no, no, no. You go for it. There's a light bulb uh, <laughs> moment for, for me to share with the, with the mm. listeners. No, no, it's great. And it's, it is, it's an interesting thing that you said. And the thing which intrigues me is something that you kind of hitting your comments uh, earlier on uh, with Escala. You were talking about how this is like a, this could be a 12-month process. Um, and so this is not. This is not me sitting down to a Google Doc one night and hammering it all out in an hour and a half, is it? This is um, this is quite this is quite uh, involved work uh, by the sounds of things. So, what do I do, Yoni? I, I I I get the idea of processes, and you and as you were talking, I don't know if you remember the book um, or ever read it. You reminded me as you were talking of the the book, The E Myth, by Michael Gerber. Do you know what I mean? It's that. like. 
It's just this this is sort of the modern version. And then obviously he uses McDonald's as a great example of 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 a, a very scalable business because they have mapped their processes to the point that teenagers, you know, who are having a bit of a cob on that day can still work the system, right? And you and you go, and that's genius. I understand it. How do you allow for um uh, flair for, do you know what I mean? That sort of that creative spark or that that sort of slight tangent that leads to something quite interesting. Um, I, I think from for someone who's quite process orientated, this is this is a beautiful thing. For someone that just likes to be, you know, flowery, flower is the wrong word, but very spontaneous. Um, this is almost like putting them in jail. Uh, kind of conversations. How do I? How does how do I allow for that? How do I build that into the system? Yeah, great, great question there. So I think the way you need to frame it is while you're building out all of these processes, there's another component that's connected to this. So when I look at a scala, we sort of take two tracks around scaling businesses or helping build them for exit operationally. We have the uh, process optimization. Can we do this more effectively? Is there a better way? Is there you know, is there a way where we can reduce the operating costs by by being more intelligent on how we structure it? And the other is the org strategy. So who do you need? When do you need them? And one of the fundamental things here is building the accountabilities and responsibilities of each of the team members that you bring into the organization. So if you're building it in a way where there's, again, this is, you know, I mean, this is stuff that I live and breathe, obviously, but, but <laughs> if you look at it at the macro level, you always want to be putting people into the right seats, the seats where they are going to be most uh, impassioned. They're going to love what they do <coughs> every every single day. And so if you want to create and maintain that flair, then making sure that the accountabilities and responsibilities delivered to the individual are aligned with their true skill sets. And so, you know, you mentioned the e-myth, I think, um, a book that I found probably more effective than the E-Myth, while it's a, a, a great one, is Traction, uh, EOS, uh, oh, yeah, if you're EOS, familiar. Yeah. Um, I am so, so, so that sort of takes into a lot more of the account of, of how you can sort of structure this inside of a business that's between sort of 10 and 250 people. So I'd say coming back to it all, if you're a company that you only want to be three, five, ten 10 people, building out these processes, it's not going to be as paramount to the success of your business unless – there's critical points where you're going to lose uh, key personnel who are going to get hit by buses all the time. Mm. Uh, you know that's 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 going to be a problem, right? But if it if your ambition is not to have 300 and whatever team members, then it's about having focused uh, attention on how far you want to take it. Um, mm. For me, you know, we can't run if we don't have that level of documentation. So you can build that creativity and flair into the accountabilities and responsibilities uh, inside of those processes. And I'd also say the processes are used as a guide. It's not necessarily gospel. It's not about you mm -hmm. do this task after this task after this task. Like when we're building uh, KPIs and incentive programs, a big component of that is about hitting specialized projects or, you know, we, we run on EOS internally. So making sure that our rocks align with the high level rocks are effectively 90 day rolling goals. And you yeah. have a scorecard that each week you make sure to see whether you're on track or off track in achieving those goals as they relate to that one year plan. Let, let, let's give that example. So again, you build the business strategy for the 12 months forward and you work backwards in how you achieve it. And so, is as long as they're hitting those goals, then that's what's paramount. And so they shouldn't be sort of put in their box, but they'll always come back to the processes to make sure that it's being delivered correctly. Mm -hmm. That's very good. Very good. Listen, Yoni, I, I'm just getting started. I'm just getting warmed up. I have so many questions, but I'm also aware of time. Yoni, for those listening to the show, how do they reach out to you? How do they connect with you if they've got any questions, which I'm sure they have all of their own? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, if you're specifically looking at Escala or Multiply Me as solutions that are interesting to you, um, I delegate accountabilities to much more intelligent people than I am. <laughs> so, so I'd say check out multiplyme.com or wearescala.com and through that you can get on a call with either Kat, who's our Director of Business 
development or client engagement rather, or Lippy, my co-founder, who will take you on a discovery call and really get to the core of how we can help. Um, if you're specifically looking to connect with me, which I welcome and invite, it's just my name at either one of those websites, multiplyme.com or wearescala.com. I'm pretty active on LinkedIn. Um, you can add me on Facebook. Or I am absolutely terrible there. So uh, apologies in <laughs> advance if that's where you're trying to find me. <laughs> you're the wrong age demographic for Facebook, aren't you? Uh, so all the stats tell me. I'm too young. What's the what's the what's the age yeah, range? Yeah, too, way too young. I think then you have to be like over forty five or something now for Facebook. Uh, so, sorry guys. I, uh, yeah, <laughs> Instagram. What is that? We will of course link to Yoni and uh, his LinkedIn profile and to wearescholar.com and uh, Multiply Me. We will put all of those links in the show notes, of course, as well, so you can also check those out. EcommercePodcast.net. Uh, Yoni, thank you so much for being on the show. Honestly, pages of notes, mainly more questions. Uh, and I, I'm, it, it's just great when you have these conversations because it just gets the old grey matter thinking, doesn't it? And you just kind of like, oh, that's, that's interesting. And I, I valued the conversation about meaning as well as uh, this whole conversation about process. So thank you so much for being with us. Thank you so much for having me. And yeah, if uh, anyone's been listening in for this long, I hope uh, you got a little bit of value out of all the nonsense that I uh, typically uh, talk. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Yoni. So there you have it. Great, eh? What a great conversation. Huge thanks again to Yoni for joining me today. And also let me give another big massive shout out to today's show sponsor, the e-commerce cohort. Uh, head over to ecommercecohort.com for more information about this new type of membership and community that you can, should uh, join. Now, be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from because we have some great conversations lined up and I don't want you to miss any of them. And in case no one has told you today, you, my friend, are awesome. Utterly, utterly awesome. The e-commerce podcast is produced by Orion Media. You can find our entire archive of episodes on your favorite podcast app. The team that makes this show possible is Sadaf Bain on Josh Catchpole, Estella Robin, and Tim Johnson. Our theme song has been written by my good self, my incredible son. Uh, and if you would like to know uh, more uh, no more, read the show notes and transcripts, I suppose, is in effect what I'm trying to say. Uh, you can get them for free. Head over to our website, ecommercepodcast.net, where you can also sign up for our newsletter. So that's it from me. Thank you so much for joining me. Have a fantastic week. I will see you next time. Goodbye for now. <laughs>